Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Today, I am speaking to author of The Power Hour, Adrienne Herbert. Now, Adrienne is just an incredible woman, and she shares a lot about her story, about how things weren't always so easy for her, and how she's developed this very optimistic, motivated, energized way of being and how she helps other people to do that. And in this podcast, she's going to help all of us to be more optimistic and motivated and energized as well. She shares her mantra, and this is such a powerful one. I think if we could all internalize this, it would make a massive difference to us. And yeah, she shares how this helps her and how it can help you too. Adrienne also shares her most powerful habits that could change your life and she discusses how she handles overwhelm. I just love this conversation. I felt after speaking to Adrienne that I could do anything. I felt like I could handle anything. I was ready to take on the world. And I hope you feel that way too after listening. I would love to invite you to a brand new free masterclass that I'm running very soon. It's called the five simple steps that you can take today to stop future tripping and start living your dream life. Even when that mean bitch in your head tells you that you can't. You would love to start your creative business, but you're afraid it'll bomb and you'll have to move out with your parents. You would love to take that trip to Southeast Asia, but you're nervous of solo travel, so you keep delaying your plans. You want to move up the ranks at work, but feelings of not being good enough are slowing you down. Don't worry, I've got you. In this free masterclass, you're going to figure out the exact first steps that you need to take to get what you want and hint. Every false start that you've made up until this point is setting you up for success. You're going to learn my favorite technique to literally remove the weight of self-doubt that's been sitting on your shoulders so you can finally feel free to live your dream life. You'll retrain your brain for confidence and success with my signature process for transformation. So RSVP for this free masterclass by heading to my website, karma-u.com forward slash masterclass. So that's karma hyphen you.com forward slash masterclass into your email there and I'll send you all the details. Welcome Adrienne, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. 
I have been feeling a bit of a lack of motivation over the last few days. So I think this conversation came at a good time. And I've been really, really enjoying your book, really enjoying it. When I'm reading it, I'm I'm hearing your voice and I'm feeling like the enthusiasm and the, the energy coming through the, the page. So thank you so much for that. Can you share a little bit about what you do and, and how you got to where you are today? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure like with most people, it's a long story. So I'm going to just give you the, I guess, the shorter version. But I guess in context of what I do now, I am a multi-hyphenate, like so many people, digital entrepreneur. So I am a podcast host, yeah, author of Power Hour. I'm a mother, I'm a runner, and I'm the director of innovation and performance at the UK's leading fitness app. So as you can imagine, I wear lots of different hats, you know, within the different roles that I do. I've been delivering in the last year of lockdown, I've been delivering talks, workshops, events online virtually for, for different brands, for different organizations. I speak to teams, I speak to the leaders of organizations. And essentially what I'm talking about all the time, the thread between all the things I just listed is that I'm always trying to encourage people to motivate people to essentially become high performing, to become the best version that they can personally and professionally, to pursue a life that they love through cultivating daily routines, habits, focusing on goals, actually giving people hopefully tools and frameworks and things they can use and action and implement to instead of just say, oh, great, I feel motivated, but actually what are you going to do with that? How can you implement change in a positive way? So in a nutshell, as I said, I, I, that's the thread that ties all of my different roles together is yeah, encouraging and motivating people to become high performing. But what I've done in the last decade is I started, you know, as a professional dancer in the West End, which some people know, some people don't, but I was a professional dancer. So that's where the performance side, I suppose, comes from. I, as I said, I'm a mother. My son's actually going to be 10 in June, which I can't believe he's going to be 10 this year. So a decade of motherhood, lots of lessons learned there. And I moved into the fitness space. So I became a personal trainer. I worked one-to-one with clients and then a lot of women, actually a lot of postnatal women, because that's where I was at at that time, 10 years ago. And then from there, I guess I moved more into working with groups and working with groups of women from training to, to running to big running events. And I started writing a blog. I started to use social media. I started to share my voice, my opinion with others and started to, I guess, grow my own community of like-minded people, of like-minded, again, it was women, but now it's much, much broader than that. And yeah, I started writing for different publications, working with different brands and just slowly, slowly, year by year, I've continued to do the same thing, but in different ways on different platforms with different people. And so there's never been, you know, an overnight thing, one thing that just changed everything. For me personally, it's been step by step by step on the ladder of meeting new people, taking new opportunities, work, 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 work in between to building different things to, to do what I do now. So now I'm you know, fortunate with the work that I do, I get to work with so many people, Olympic athletes, you know, business founders, leaders from, you know, exec huge companies around the world and also one-to-one people. Cause essentially I love to work with people. So it's a real variety. I mentor young people as well through a charity organization. So it's a real variety, but as I said, everyone's story and journey is, is long and there's highs, lows, everything in between, but that's the shortest version for you, Chloe. That's amazing. Amazing career that you created for yourself. So, so interesting. Can you share what, what is the power hour? What is the power hour? 
Yes, absolutely. So the Power Hour, the name of the podcast and the name of the book is essentially my first hour of the day. It's this philosophy concept to reclaim your first hour of your day. So before you start to give your energy, your time, your focus, your attention away to the rest of the things that inevitably will come up in your day, emails, work commitments, WhatsApp, kids, deadlines, actually start with the self and say, what can I do in the first hour of every day to take me closer to a goal? Now that could be about well-being, fitness goal, it could be training for a marathon, it could be doing a mindful practice every day, or it could be a professional goal, writing, journaling, creating content online, writing a book, reading, research. You can use that hour for whatever it is that people tell me, Adrian, I'd love to do that, but I don't have time. Or, you know, I really wish I'd work on that, but I don't have time. Or when I'm older, I'm going to do that. Or when my kids are growing up, I'm going to do that. When, 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 tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. But too often tomorrow stays tomorrow. So there's two parts. One is reclaim your time and focus and take that hour. But the other is really, what do you value? Because time is finite. So what do you value? What gives you more energy than it takes? What makes you feel good? And why not start your day with that? And then it's a hopefully have a knock-on effect for the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your life. So it's more than just that first hour. And it's not about just, you know, get up early, grind, 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 do more, do more, do more. Certainly not, you know, the hustle vibe, but it's actually more about being intentional with your time. Yeah. And I, I hear from people who who get up early and have that time before maybe their kids are up, that it's such a, a special time. They really, really value it. And you know, spending that time meditating or journaling or working on their, you know, their project before all the other demands of the day get in. It's, it's very, very powerful, as you say. Mm. But what's, um, I know that you're not a fan of hitting snooze. Can you, I mean, what's wrong with hitting snooze, do you think? <laughs> yeah, great question. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the snooze button. I don't know why it exists. Someone said to me once, they said, if, yeah, the snooze button's there for a reason or we wouldn't have one. But I, I just, you know, the way I describe it to people, it, I live my life with a sense of urgency. And there's lots of reasons for that. You know, I think we've all had, I'm sure nobody in in, in their life has had a plane sailing, you know, no no adversity. I certainly have had my fair share. And I think what I've learned through the different challenges in my life is that this, you know, it really sounds cheesy to say, oh, time is so important and value it. And it's the most valuable thing you have. But I really, truly believe that. I don't say it to, for effect. I don't say it to motivate people. I say it because I've seen with my own eyes, you know, that your life can change in an instant. So I try to remember that. And I live with a sense of urgency around making the most of my time and my day. So the idea for me of hitting snooze is kind of like putting off starting the day. Like I'm putting it off because I don't want to do it, you know, and I'll, I'll, I don't want to face whatever's on the list. Or I don't want to get out of bed and put my feet on the ground and start my day, at least not for 10 more minutes or 10 more minutes or 10 more minutes. And I don't, yeah, so there's that from, from a mindset perspective, I don't want to delay. I want to be enthusiastic and, and start my day. But also I get, I think just more from, a biological perspective, you know, and I've spoken to sleep scientists and the research around sleep is that actually, even just from a biology perspective, you, when you sleep, you sleep in cycles. So unless you're going to sleep for long enough to get into a deep state of sleep, then actually, if you're in the first early stages of sleep, which is typically what happens when people hit snooze is they close their eyes and they fall back into the first, first stages of sleep. And then that alarm goes off again. And again, 
you actually will, you can wake up feeling worse. So you feel a bit groggy headed. People will say, oh, I'm so tired in the mornings. It takes me an hour or two to get going. And often that is because you're hitting snooze and you're having just that short window of first sleep, but it's not REM sleep. It's not deep sleep. It's not good for the brain essentially to kind of jolt out of that. So if that is you, often people say, oh, wake up at, if they wake up at six, then or quarter to six, it's like, oh, it's too early. I'll go back to sleep. But if you've woken up naturally, your body's ready to get up. So then, as I say, hitting snooze, it's not actually going to, you're going to probably wake up feeling worse for that extra 30 minutes. I love that idea of, you know, tapping into that urgency. And if more of us could do that, we know what a, a change that would make in our lives. I was talking to someone for the podcast a few days ago that was talking about how she sometimes suggests people kind of imagine their death, like imagine like the end of their lives, like imagine, oh, what if I've only got like five years left to live? You know, having that kind of sense of like, what do we really want to do with our time? How do we want to live mm. our lives? I guess none of us know how long, how much time we've got. And um, yeah, and Chloe, you know, when people hear that, they might think, oh gosh, that's a bit extreme or that's a bit morbid. I know people have said that to me before about, about thinking about death or, and the concept or about just your life, actually. What's the opposite of death is, is life. And so when I mentioned about, you know, adversity and challenges, I, when I was 22 years old, when I was pregnant with my son, my husband was 29 years old, healthy, fit, young, PE teacher, never had more than the common cold. One night we went to bed, we were having a conversation and he fell asleep very suddenly. And I thought, oh, he's asleep, fine. And one hour later, he fell out of bed onto the floor having a seizure and he had a brain hemorrhage. And that changed both of our lives, as you can imagine, in an instant. You know, I'm standing there in my pajamas hands shaking, calling 999, pregnant, thinking, what is going on? I literally thought I was going to wake up from, you know, this, this nightmare. But actually, you know, we went to hospital and he was there for two weeks in a neurology ward, lots of different tests, lots of different things to discover that he'd had this brain hemorrhage. The point that I'm trying to make is that you can be 29, you can be 39, you can be 49, you don't know. And this sense of urgency that I live with isn't to rush and say, oh, quit, do more, do more, rush. I do have a lot of energy. I do have a lot of things that I want to achieve. And I do. Yeah. It's not about rushing, but I think it is really important to think if you were in a situation where, you know, that could have killed him, that just certainly could have killed him. And he was very lucky that it didn't. Uh, but, but as a result, he developed epilepsy and that impacted his life too and our life. So, you know, things can change, things can happen. And often I think people wait on, you know, sadly until, oh, they've had a cancer diagnosis or, oh, something terrible has happened. And then there's a catalyst for change. And that's when people will say, you know what, enough is enough. I've got to live my life. But why wait? What a shame to wait to live your life until you have this this moment. Why, you know, how wonderful could it be if we don't have to suffer, but we can have that attitude of, we're going to experience this life once. And I want to actually live it, not just work, not just emails, not just actually live which I know given the last year seems a bit strange because we've all had to essentially, you know, pause things we want to do. But yeah, I really want people to take that message of urgency because we really, really need to value what we have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And I wonder if what it will be like after the pandemic is kind of over and we're, we're unleashed on the world again, if people will be able to tap into that urgency thinking, actually, you know, what? I couldn't travel. I couldn't get out and meet new people before. And I'm going to do that more now. Um, I hope that that's the case. Mm. What, what do you think about individual ownership and kind of taking responsibility? It's something I'm hearing a lot at the moment. And, and why do you think that's so important? Mm. Yeah. What do I think about it? I, 
I personally think that individual ownership is quite a complex it's a complex concept. And I think for a lot of people, it puts them off because I I believe that it means you take responsibility for yourself, your actions, your life. And in an empowering way, it sounds exciting, you know, take responsibility. You're in the driver's seat of your life. Do it. You can do it, which is great. But the flip side of that is that it also assigns, I think, an element of responsibility and blame. So people will think, well, if you haven't done that, it's your fault. If you haven't achieved X, it's your fault. You know, take this extreme ownership the good and the bad. And although myself, I think I do apply a lot of that to myself. I think I have extreme ownership in, in my career, in my relationships, in my life. I like to think, yes, Adrienne, you can make these things happen. You're in the driver's seat, go for it. But I don't want to exclude the idea and the nuance around agency and different people's circumstances and situations. And although personally, I really, truly, I never want my circumstances to hold me back. So I would never say, oh, well, as a woman, I can't X or, oh, as a woman of color, it's harder for me to X. But the reality is we don't all start in the same place. Not everyone has the same privilege or education or health or experience. or So those things matter. And I think sometimes when I listen to people talk about extreme ownership, they just sell it in this way that it's all on you. Your life is yours for the taking. It's up to you to, you know, find a way and roll up your sleeves and do the hard work, grit. You can make it happen. But if you don't, don't blame anyone else. It's all on you. And I do think that if we, if it's, it can be dangerous when we, when we ignore the fact that, as I said, some people do not have the same tools, the same money, the same experiences. Some people have got a lot more challenge than others. And yes, I do believe with, with a growth mindset, they can improve and change their lives, but it's not straightforward, you know? Yeah. Thank you for, for talking about the nuance of that. I think so important to say that. And I, it's like, I really struggle with, because I find myself with, with getting into this mindset of like thinking, oh, I've got mental health issues in my family. So I'm going to always struggle with this to some extent. And that means nothing I, you know, do is going to help. And if I'm in that mindset, it kind of means that I don't try as much. This is just my own experience. I I think Mm. if we can think actually, like you said, like the growth mindset, like I can affect change. If I try, if I put effort in, then I can Mm. change things. It doesn't mean that we're going to be on the same level as other people. You know, we're still going to struggle with things, but Mm. we can affect change, I think. Yeah. And that's interesting too, because it almost gives you maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but it also gives you a thing to kind of let yourself off the hook, like you said, to say, Mm. well, actually for me, it's harder because, you know, I said I'm a black woman. I could say, well, you know what? I can let myself off the hook there because it's just harder for me. You know, I don't, I don't have white privilege. However, I, and I outline this in the book is that your circumstance is what it is. And so I, I just see it from a mindset perspective of I can either, either focus on, yes, those perceived barriers or I can focus on creating better for my future, for my life and for myself, but you cannot do both. So that's mm. the key is like, which one do you want to choose? Because you ultimately have to choose. And I think speaking from my own experience, the question people need to ask is not what's the circumstance or the limiting belief or the, or the barrier, but what are you going to focus on one or two? Cause you can't, you can't split focus and do and, and focus on both. I love that. I love that. You're, you're kind of known, I think, for your optimism, for your energy. Are these things that, do, do, do they come naturally? Are the things you have to really work on? Were you like this as a child? Can you share a bit, a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I think it's nature and nurture. So I definitely think we all have innate traits within us. 
our personalities, things we like and dislike, strengths, weaknesses, all of that, you know, we're all complex, but we all, you know, whether you look at leadership styles, whether you look at, you know, the different personality tests, traits, all of that, that give you the A type. And, you know, there's a lot of those tests out there that you can do on your, on yourself. But I think the nature part comes in, in environment and how you grew up. And, you know, for me, I was, I'm one of four. And I'm an older sibling, so I definitely took on more responsibility as an older sibling. My mum was a single mother who raised us in low-income households. So it was definitely much, I grew up fast, you know, with the idea that you have to help, you have to cook, you have to clean, you have to, put, you know, look after your little brother. You have responsibility, essentially, was always a part of, of my life. But when it comes to, you know, the optimism and the energy, I actually think, you know, there's sometimes that apple and the tree thing and all the opposites attract or whatever it I think when it comes to parenting and parenting styles, often we can either replicate our parents or we can go the other way. And so my mom, as I said, being a single mom, low income household, she, she's, I'm the opposite of her, essentially. She really suffered. And I think as a result, she was very negative. She was very down. She felt very trapped by her circumstance and felt very victim of circumstance and kind of felt like the world is a difficult place and the world is against you. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. And I think witnessing that and witnessing someone who, even from a very young age, I just thought, there's no joy. Like there's no joy. You don't, you're not excited. You're not happy. Even when even for the small things that might be good because you carry the weight of, well, everything's bad and this negative mindset. And, and it's actually draining to be around, to witness that is draining. So I think for me, maybe it went the opposite way. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter if that's bad because there's something good in it. It doesn't matter if today's been shit because, you know, tomorrow the sun's going to come up and we can go again. And it sounds cheesy again to be like, oh, but that I, it became my go-to was like, not just to be blindly optimistic and just pretend that everything is great, but to look for the good because seek and you will find. If you look for the good, there is good every single day in something, in some moment of your life. And if you, again, choose to just, I just think it's a choice, you know, it's not to just say, I've heard this before, happiness is a choice, positivity is a choice, and people really push back against it. But for me personally, my experience that is what I choose. I choose to be optimistic. I choose to see the good. I choose to live my life in this way because it feels good. What's the alternative? You know, this feels better. And actually the, the benefit and the reward is better. The, I guess what I put out is what I get back. And so therefore I have more things to be happy about. And I meet more people who are, who I want to spend time with. I have more things on my gratitude list. I have more, more abundance, abundance because I genuinely feel it. So it's not to say that everything's always great and nothing bad ever happens, but I'm not sure if that really, yeah, hopefully that answers the question of, you know, if it's just who I am, yeah. maybe it is who I am as well. That's brilliant. I love that. And yeah, I suppose we can, e- we can, when we're growing up, either kind of copy our parents or we can kind of learn that that's kind of not what we want and kind of go the opposite way. And it's great mm. that you were able to, to be able to see the world in a different way through having that experience. It's so true, I think, as well. You know, it is kind of a cheesy kind of self-help thing, but what we, what we believe, that is, that is our reality. Like we can choose to believe something. We can choose to believe that the world is a friendly place and the universe wants to help us. And when we believe that, we can start to notice the evidence that that is the case. Hmm. Or God, if it's God for you, if it's the universe for you, if it's, I know for a lot of people in, the world now they don't talk about god and or, or unless maybe in, in other cultures but 
I do believe personally for me as well that that's played a role too, you know? And yeah. and as you say, what you choose to believe, where you put your energy, your focus, your attention, it's it's really powerful. It's really powerful. And I think, again, sometimes people talk about manifestation and, and vision and visualizing and people roll their eyes. And I, I don't mind if people roll their eyes because for me, I know how powerful these things are. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in others. And actually when you were talking then and I knew what you said about our reality and perception. I listened to something last week and I can't remember the name of the book, but it was basically saying that the bit that stood, stuck out to me was 50% of our memory is imagined. And I just thought about it and he explained why, but he said, when we think back on, say, for example, a positive experience or something that has a positive outcome. So let's say you work in a place for three years and then you, you leave, but the company is a huge success. When you look back on that and you tell that story, often 50% of it is imagined. So you you tell the story of the good bits. Like, oh, working there was brilliant and the team culture was great and it was innovative and it was fast-paced and, you know, it was it was exciting and then this happened and that happened and the company grew and you see that because the outcome was good. You could have the exact same three years, but the outcome could be a perceived failure. So it doesn't work out, something changes in the company, it's not a success or you you leave. And then the story is different. Oh, it was, you know, it was an exciting place to be, but it was always challenging. And there were so many unknowns and, you know, it was fast paced and it was, it was, there was conflict and there was bad decisions and ultimately led to the, the, the downfall. The story that we tell of the past, so much of it, we leave out parts, you know, and we can do it with relationships. We can say, oh, he was great or, oh, he was awful. And it's binary, one or the other. But actually, I'm sure there was both. I'm sure there was great things. I'm sure there was not so good things. But it's really interesting to think, actually, if if 50% of our memory is imagined, then how much of our future is imagined? Well, all of it, because it hasn't happened yet. So I think that's a really exciting and powerful thing. And after I heard it, I was so, I was running and I was so energized because I thought, wow, my future, my whole 100% of my future is imagined it hasn't happened so yeah bit of a detour there I hope people are still following on with that that's but awesome exciting Love to think that. about it right yeah it's I mean we distort things in our minds so much you know the stories we tell ourselves or we filter things things through the beliefs that we have you know our we have so many unconscious biases that just distort things that we don't even we're not even aware of and yeah if we can shine a light on on those things we can maybe see things more clearly and see things in a more positive way but that's fascinating study Mm. amazing you talk about in the book power hour you talk about a mantra you can do hard things can you can you share about what that means to you yes absolutely that is my mantra. I live by it. It's helped me a lot of times. And this, like, this mantra of you can do hard things essentially is to say, people will always ask me, Adrienne, how do you stay motivated to do that? Or Adrienne, how did you have the confidence to do that? Or, and they assume that because I enjoy doing things that they're easy for me. A good example being running. You know, I, I run a lot of road races usually. And uh, in 2019, I did six half marathons in six different countries. And so people would say, Oh, you know, running's easy for you. Oh, I'm not, it's not easy for me. I'm a human being. It's just like everybody else. I have to train. It's hard. And there's days when it's miserable and there's days when it's tough. And there's been races that I've just suffered all the way through. But this idea that you can do hard things is because instead of waiting for something to become easy, or instead of waiting for it to be perceived as easy, or instead of waiting till you feel so motivated that it's just good all the time, that expectation I think is hard because people go, well, I'm not feeling motivated, so I can't do it. 
But actually, if you just accept that you can do hard things means that even when you don't feel motivated, you can still do it. Even if you find it challenging, you can still do it. If you find it hard to public, to speak publicly and stand up in front of a group and speak, you might always find that hard. It might not be that just do it more, do it more, do it more, exposure therapy. One day it's going to be easy and you'll just step on stage and feel confident. Maybe that will happen and hopefully it will get better with time, but maybe you'll always find it hard, but you can do hard things. We can do things anyway. So that for me, again, being just a lot of my personal experience is powerful because I just don't have to wait now until I feel like it's going to be easy. I can just do it anyway. I wonder if there's something in our culture that's a bit like, oh, if it's difficult, you know, I'll just quit or give up or, you know, things shouldn't be, things shouldn't be hard or, you know, we try and make stuff, we're always trying to make stuff easier for ourselves, like with technology, mm. like trying to make stuff easy and pain free, but actually things, yeah, it's normal for things to be hard. It's not a sign that we shouldn't do them. I, I was listening to, I think it was Dr. Chatterjee's podcast and he was interviewing Rich Roll, who's had a podcast for like, like 10 years and he's done like hundreds and hundreds of episodes. And he says, every single time I do a podcast, I get nervous and you would never expect that from him because he's mm. you know, really seemingly a confident guy, but actually he says he still struggles with that. So yeah, things can be hard. Things can be hard yeah. and we can, we can still do it. So I think that's such a good reminder and mantra that we should all mm. start to tell ourselves. <laughs> yes. um, Take it, own it, you can have it. Yes, 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 yes. Do you have, what are some of your habits? Do you have certain things that you do to keep yourself kind of healthy or on track? What are some of the things mm. that you do? Yes, I do. Definitely. I'm quite intentional actually about, I mean, you probably know that I'm quite intentional about everything that I do. So habits is no exception. So when it comes to things that I do, obviously the power hour being the first thing, you know, that's non-negotiable for me to start my day with that. But as a result, I've had to change other things like going to bed earlier. That's become a habit. Reading has become a habit. Learning, listening to books, listening to podcasts. And actually that's the, that is probably the habit that's had the biggest impact on my life over the years. So if I could say to someone when it comes to starting a new habit, you know, from people think about, drink less alcohol, you know, exercise more, get more steps, you know, and I, and that, those things are all great. But my thing would be, if you can learn more, learning is the one thing that I think just gives you just exponential return, you know? So if it's listening to audiobooks whilst you are walking your dog, if it's listening to audiobooks whilst you're cooking, listening to podcast interviews whilst you're driving, sitting in traffic, on the train, on a flight, all those minutes add up. And honestly, when people say to me, how have you listened to 200 books in that in two years or something, or how long have I had Audible? Probably three years, 200 books. That's how I've done it because it's those in between moments, those transitional moments, 10 minutes here, 30 minutes there. Which, and honestly, the, the value out of learning, you know, back in the day, you'd have to go and sit and go to a library, get that book, read it, do the research, write your notes. Now it's there. We can listen to these incredible people. It's all there. And often it's free. You know, you think about the podcast, you can listen to Michelle Obama, you can listen to Oprah, you can listen to Simon Sinek, you can listen to whoever you want just and learn and soak it up. And I'm a sponge now. And I think that's a habit that I didn't used to have. So whether it's my school years, my twenties, I was not in the habit of learning. And now that I am, wow, what can you do with that knowledge? You know, whether it's your career, whether it's self-improvement, whether it's helping others, whether it's starting a business, learn, 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 make learning a habit. 
it's amazing, isn't it? A book, I often think, a book, you can get someone's life's, literally like their life's work and, and maybe like years of their life that they poured into this for like a fiver. It's amazing, amazing value. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was wondering, how do you handle overwhelm? Do you, have you found yourself getting overwhelmed? Are there things that you do to sort of stay calm? How do you, how do you manage mm, that? Yes. Even as you said it, I kind of went to remind myself <laughs> because, you know, I'm, yeah energetic sometimes it can become frantic and yes I have felt overwhelmed probably in the last year more than ever before in my life because as much as as much as so many things have gone well and career things work things opportunities have just been amazing exciting I often say to people about problems you know everyone has problems you can have good problems bad problems everybody has problems so what are your problems and what problems do you want to have and actually I think you know homeschooling obviously is a new dimension and thinking about oh am I doing enough for my son if I'm if I'm doing two hours with him three hours with him actually is this right for him because maybe he should just be you know go outside and play and left to his own devices he's young I don't want to put pressure on him oh but what about his peers is he going to get left behind maybe I should do more I'm feeling overwhelmed in terms of responsibility in different areas and then okay you've written a book people have invested time and energy into your idea. It's got to be good. How many are you going to sell? How's it going to do? What are people going to think? What's the perception? Okay, I've got this job to do. You can probably, you probably feel overwhelmed just listening. <laughs> but I think it's easy for people again to perception, look in and go, Adrian, you're smashing it. You've always got a smile on your face. But I'd be lying if I if that didn't come at a cost. And I think as much as I am grateful for the work that I do, and I do wake up with energy, I love it. But I still have moments where I go okay, am I getting this right? Am I giving enough to the right places? Am I pouring enough into this? Am I pouring too much into that? And ultimately, I think the overwhelm with the world, you know, as well, looking at what's happening, the news updates, constant change, constant feeling of vague, you know, we're going to be able to do this now, we're not, then we can travel, then we can't. I think that for me as well, as someone who likes to plan and Mm. make efficient progress and do step by step that was something that overwhelmed me was just being like this sense of lack of control lack of certainty ambiguity and vagueness you know even in the last you know mentioned at the start now that we feel like there's a bit of a roadmap out and people feel like ah I can see steps to you know the summer coming and vaccinations and people being able to go back to work and back to school. But yeah, I've definitely been overwhelmed in the last year. And I guess I don't even know how I'm coping, working with it. Maybe this is my, the host in me. I want to flip the question to you, Chloe, and be like, what should I do about that? (laughs) (laughs) Do you do anything like, obviously you exercise, but do you do anything like meditation or journaling or those sorts of things? I, I feel like I'm sure I've heard you say that you're, you're more kind of sort of using exercise to calm down than mm. other, mm. other techniques. Yeah. Yeah, I do. So running for sure is a good one. And actually when I really get the most probably out of it is when I'm not listening to a podcast, not listening to a book in contradiction to what I just said, but just running on my own. I don't even wear my, you know, running watch to just run to just mm. be on my own. So that's one thing I do journal and I do kind of prompted journaling. So I have questions I answer and then I find it really helpful. Yes, it's funny, but to do lists, not in the sense of I'm going to do all the things, but I just write them down. So they're no longer in my head. I just go, what do I need to do? This, 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 this. Need to remember to do that. I need to email that person. I want to read that book. I just write it all down because then just by kind of putting pen to paper for me, that's something that from an overwhelmed perspective, I can see it all as well and just go, okay, it's all there. Can't do it all, but 
is there. You can just get it out of your head. Yeah. I like to sometimes just write down the things that I've done and like put it on my to-do list, but I've done it. I just want to tick it off. That's um, nice. Just yeah, literally writing it down write for that. The things I've done instead of the things that are <laughs> things that I still need to do. That's good. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. If you had one like final message for people listening, you know, about how they can have a power hour or, or something they can do to kind of inspire themselves and motivate themselves. What would you, what would you say to people? Mm. Yes. So the one thing that I would want people to take away actually is to simplify and to think about actually stripping it back back to basics you know in the last year people have had a lot of time to reflect and to think so before the world does kind of go back into whatever that looks like for you strip it back and simplify and say what are the things that are the most important to me what are the things that excite me that I enjoy that give me joy in every day big and small who are the people that I want to spend my time with what brings out the best in me who brings out the best in me and start with the simple things and try and hang on to them, try and make sure that they remain, even when we do go back into whatever the future is. Yeah, I think life life can seem so complicated, but I think often it doesn't need to. And if we could, you know, focus more on what really matters and maybe learn to say no a little bit more and mm. yeah, refine things, I think we'd be mm. a lot less overwhelmed and stressed. So yeah, mm. thank you for that. And, it's, and it takes courage, you know, being brave enough as well. I mean, you talk about that, but being brave enough to, if you know it, if, if when you're thinking about what I just said, if you heard that and thought, you know, who brings out the best in me? What really matters to me? If you know, when you hear that, actually my job isn't that, or that my relationship right now isn't that, or then take action and it takes courage and you have to be brave, but life is it's so important that we do that because I think for a lot of people, that's what last year was, was for them. They went, actually, that doesn't bring out the best to me. I don't enjoy that. And maybe now's a really great opportunity and catalyst for change. Totally, totally. Thank you so much for everything you shared. It's been amazing. Where can people find out more about you and, you know, get involved with the things that you're doing and buy your book and that sort of thing? Yeah. So the book Power Hour, I mean, it's available Amazon, Waterstones, everywhere online and the podcast as well. And if people want to find more from me, then social media, it's Adrian LDN or email. I mean, I'm sure if you search Seeker, you will find. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chloe. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead.